Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Armored Podcast, where we like to talk about spiritual things in a modern world. Uh, today we want to talk about what's found in Acts chapter 10, which is the conversion of Cornelius. We also want to focus on the Holy Spirit baptism and how it pertains to Cornelius. And then we want to focus a little bit on the false doctrine of people saying that the Holy Spirit baptism is necessary for salvation. And I'm going to turn it over to Devin, and he's going to lead us in this discussion. All right. So if you're listening, uh, we highly recommend you get your Bibles and follow along. Uh, We'll be in Acts chapter 10 for the majority of today. So we're going to start with verses 1 and 2 in Acts chapter 10. And Jeremiah, if you could read that. Yeah, starting in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people, and prayed to God always. So in these first two verses, we see who Cornelius was. One, he was an Italian centurion, or uh, he was in the Ital- uh, soldier in the T- Italian regiment. Uh, this meant he was a Gentile. It also meant that he was a military leader, and he held an honorable position. Uh, We also see that he was a devout man. He feared God with all of his house. He gave lots of money to people, and he always prayed to God. And when we read this, a lot of people today would say this is a good man, Uh, a man that most people would probably feel proud to know. And then... Before we continue, we also want to look at who Peter was because he's instrumental to this account that we read in Acts chapter 10. We know that Peter was an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, Matthew chapter 4 verse 18, and then also Matthew 10 verses 1 and 2. And we also know that he was a Jew, uh, Galatians chapter 2 verse 14. And an important note here is that the Jews struggled to understand that the Jewish practices were fulfilled by Jesus. Um... And this included their association with Gentiles. Remember this for later. That's important. Yeah, and I just want to emphasize, too, when you're doing your own personal Bible study, remember this throughout the rest of the books and epistles that we see in the New Testament. That's right. So another question we can ask before we continue in Acts 10 is, where was Christianity at this point? Well, in Acts chapter 2, we can read about the establishment of the church. Right. Um, It had just been established in Jerusalem. We also know that the Jews heard the word first, and then the Gentiles heard after the Jews. And Paul recounts that in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, in his letter to the Romans. We also know that the church had just scattered from Jerusalem because of persecution from from the Jews. And that's in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 and following. And it seems like something needed to happen so that the Gentiles would be accepted among other Jews. And we've already seen issues in Acts chapter 6 between two different groups of Jews, the Hebrews and the Hellenists. And the the difference between these two groups is the Hebrews are just Hebrew-speaking Jews, and then the Hellenists are Greek-speaking Jews. So we've already seen some issues among those in the church. So now... We're going to move into verses 3 through 8 of Acts chapter 10. Okay, let's go to verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. 
Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So an angel told Cornelius his prayers, and his alms went up for memorial before God. But what does that mean? <clears throat> uh, we can go back to the Greek and look what a word was in originally intended to mean. Forgive me if I butcher this, but mne mos onon, uh, for the word memorial, it just means reminder or memorandum. So this verse gives the idea that God remembered Cornelius because of the prayers and the giving that he was per the, he was partaking in. But also notice when Cornelius was told to send for Peter, there was no hesitation in that action. Uh, that shows the dedication uh, to serving God that Cornelius had. And truthfully, all Christians should have this attitude in everything we do. Right. Don't hesitate to carry out God's will. We can know his will, though, through the Bible that he has written for us. And I want to make a comment right here. Mm -hmm. You think about Cornelius and the leadership position that he has right now. You know, going up in the ranks, uh, the higher rank you go up, you are used to giving commands to soldiers to do your bidding. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, he is commanded to go do something. And this is something very humbling for him. But he's like, yes, Lord. I am going to obey your command. That's right. So Cornelius sent two of his household servants and a devout soldier to bring Peter back. Uh, he wanted to make sure that they went to Peter and they also came back. Uh, don't miss the importance, though, of him sending a devout soldier with his household servants. This shows that Cornelius' example to his household and his soldiers, it was just true leadership. Mm -hmm. Um just what a true testament of preaching, uh, practicing what we preach. And no matter how his con conversion uh, will affect even the household and the people around him. Right. I mean, I was always told leadership is leading by example. Right. And Cornelius matches that perfectly. Most certainly. So now we're going to move into verses, six, uh, verses 9 through 16 in Acts chapter 10, where... Peter has his vision. All right, let's start at verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheep bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. And it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. There's so many things that we can learn from these seven verses, but specifically for what we're talking about today, I want to focus on verses 14 and 15. Just remember that the Jews struggled with understanding that the things of the old law had passed, 
and the voice here that Peter hears is equating the Gentiles now having salvation available to the things that God has cleansed. Um, all men now have the opportunity to be cleansed. Yeah, and you know we've discussed this. This was a huge issue for the Jews, and they considered the Gentiles to be unclean individuals. Uh, another translation, the New American Standard Version, says in verse 15, Again, a voice came to him a second time, What God has cleansed no longer considered consider unholy. Mm-hmm. So the Jews thought the Gentiles, these separate people, as being unholy people. But they had lost their focus and forgot, guess what? The Jews were created by God and so were the Gentiles. God has created all people. And when we look into the rest of the New Testament, a lot of Paul's writings focuses on this issue right here. Mm. And this is one of the big things that Paul even talks about in the book of Romans. And he's using the faith of Abraham in Romans chapter 4 to talk about how all men have that opportunity to be a part of the kingdom of God. In Romans chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. That's right. And also notice that this vision was repeated to Peter three times. And even after that, there was still doubt in Peter. Uh, but don't mistake doubt for understanding. Peter understood what the vision was saying. It, it wasn't a situation where his understanding was lacking. And we know this because verse 17 says that Peter doubted what the vision should mean. So when the three men Cornelius sent came to Peter, Peter remembered that the vision mentioned three men coming to him and for him to doubt nothing. And something else that I found interesting was Peter had the three men who were Gentiles lodge with him where he was staying for the night. And we'll see a change of the way that Peter thought of Gentiles in the next few verses. Okay, let's start at verse 17. Now while Peter wondered within himself, What this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house, and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius, and said, Yes, I am he who you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, who fears God, and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house, and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanying him. So here we see Peter trying to figure out what he needed to do based on what the vision was telling him. But this wondering wouldn't last long. And again, he remembered the vision mentioned three men would come to him and that he shouldn't doubt going with them. And that's exactly what Peter did. 
he went with them the day after he invited them to lodge with him. With no doubt. Right. He followed what this vision said. And something else that's worth noting is some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And just a question that uh, we can ask when we're reading this is why could this be? Why would it be? It could be for safety. Uh, it could be to ensure that there are witnesses there to what may happen. Uh, Peter had a vision for this and he knew something important was going to happen. So it would make sense for him to bring people. Oh, when I was doing my study on this, it, it made me think, okay, I see three guys coming up to Peter and I'm seeing this conversation about uh, how the kingdom of God is going to go to the Gentiles. If I didn't know better, that'd be kind of like a shock and awe thing. Mm -hmm. So I now hear that Peter is going to go away to this man named Cornelius. Well, I got to witness this. I got to see what this is all about. Oh, yeah, most certainly. And also in this section of scripture, we learn a little bit more information about Cornelius. And it's just two things. But the first thing is he had a good reputation among the Jews. And remember, he was a Gentile. He must have been a good man. to have this good reputation among the Jews. Uh, we know also from this scripture that he was just, and that's according to his servants. This must be true if his servants said it. Yeah. And I think we're going to know more about Cornelius and what the conversation that this angel had with him in these next following verses so Peter can actually get a sense of what what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so we find this right here, starting at verse 24. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And he talked with him, and he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one another's nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, For what reasons have you sent me? So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed. In my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you, so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. So what I wanted to note here is that Peter makes sure not to accept the worship that Cornelius was giving to him. Uh, Peter also explains that he understood what the vision was telling him. He knew that it was telling him that no man should be called uncommon or unclean. And he also knew that he was not to deny the request to go to this man. And I don't know if there was anything else that you wanted to comment on here, Jeremiah, but that's what I found in my study. Yeah, I think you're you're hitting it on the head, um, and I think these next few verses is what I like to call the meat and potatoes of the chapter. And so I'm actually excited to get into these 
these next few verses. Let's do it. All right, so let's start off with verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. The word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all the things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and of the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And Jeremiah, this is an extremely concise way to explain the entire gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're a Christian and you struggle with spreading the word, consider using these scriptures. These are simple. I mean, take them to Acts 10 verses 34 through 43 and read these verses with them and help understand the context. We we aren't witnesses of Christ. We weren't here when Christ was on earth. However, this is a great section of scripture to take people to. Yeah. And what's interesting, and we've kind of talked about this before, uh, sometimes when we want to share the gospel with somebody, sometimes we like to get so deep and so complex with the Bible that... God is actually trying to show us through these, some of these examples. All you need is just a little bit for people to actually get interested and be convicted by the truth. I mean, that just also shows you to how powerful the Word of God is for just a simple, short message. Mm-hmm. That's right. So we're about to get into verses 44 through 48, mm-hmm. where we're really going to get into the main thing that we wanted to cover in this episode. So Jeremiah, if you'd like to read it. All right, we're now in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who had heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. So remember what Peter and the Jews as a whole struggled with. Gentiles being accepted as Christians. The purpose of this event can be found in verse 45. In the baptism of this Holy Spirit was used to show the Jews that God granted the same salvation to the Gentiles as he did to the Jews. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Uh, Verse 47, it says, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? Mm -hmm. Uh, In the New American Standard Version, it says, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized. 
it's almost like Peter was looking back at these six men that followed him from Joppa. It's like, yeah, you saw the same thing I did, right? You mm-hmm. witnessed the same evidence I did. Surely these men are to be baptized just like how we were. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I agree with that. But also notice this. Even after they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, this is going back to kind of what you were saying. Peter still said that they needed that baptism. Mm-hmm. If they were saved by the Holy Spirit baptism, what would be the purpose of them being baptized by water? It, well, that purpose is because water baptism for the remission of sins is what saves us. Yeah. And there's a false doctrine I actually want to just kind of talk about right here. And and I know you've heard it before. I've heard it a lot. There's a lot of people who say all I have to do in order to make it he- to make it to heaven is just be a good person. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, there's some there's some fallacies in that it's it's a very dangerous uh, philosophy because whose standard are you considering Mm -hmm. are you considering my standard your standard your neighbor's standard whose standard is it right well we should be focusing on God's standard that's right and think about this the Holy Spirit tells us right here at the very beginning of this chapter that Cornelius and his family were devout men. They were good people. But we also see in the rest of the Bible that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means what? We are deserving of death. And even though they were good people, they still had to obey the command to be baptized for their mission of sins. That's right. And here's also some verses uh, supporting what we've been saying here. Uh, Acts 2.38, uh, Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And also in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, when Paul is recounting his conversion, and he says, And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. There's also other accounts throughout Acts. Uh, Acts 9, where Saul is converted, the actual account. Acts 16, we see Lydia's conversion. We also see the Philippian jailer's conversion. Acts chapter 8, we see the Ethiopian eunuch's conversion. If you just read the book of Acts, you'll find what is required of us to be a, a, become a Christian throughout the entire book. Right. And not just the book of Acts. You think about the other books and epistles that we have in the New Testament mm-hmm. that shows us that baptism is necessary. It also shows us that there's a transformation process from the old man to the new man. I mean, you take example, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. You think about Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. First mm-hmm. Peter chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. But I wanted to mention something real quick. And it's kind of a question for maybe who's someone who's listening right now. Mm-hmm. And that question is, well, does Holy Spirit baptism still happen today? Right. And I want us to understand that the promise of Holy Spirit baptism originated back to Jesus, and it was promised to the apostles. Also, John the Baptist even talked about it as well. We see it being fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, mm-hmm. which we've already read before. And then we see it being fulfilled again in Acts chapter 10 and also Acts chapter 11. Now, what we see after Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11 is no more examples of Holy Spirit baptism. 
Right. But what we do see is Paul mentioning that there's only one baptism available for us today. He says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and one Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and you all. We go further into our Bibles. We see in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, Peter is saying that there's an antitype to, to baptism, mm-hmm. or antitype to what the example is of the flood. Right. He says in verse 20, Who formerly were disobedient, that means the people before the flood, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. Mm-hmm. There is also an antitype which now saves us, <clears throat> baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh. So he's saying it's not a bath. Right. right? You're not just getting wet. Mm-hmm. But he says it's the answer of a good conscience towards God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Water baptism is the baptism that we are commanded to do today. Right. So what's the application that we can take from Acts chapter 10 today? Uh, well, Holy Spirit baptism doesn't happen today. However, we receive the same outcome from it because it was a promise to all mankind. In Acts chapter 2 verse 33 We read, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. And then also in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, dropping down six verses in the same chapter, For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So as we read in Acts 2.38, All men who are baptized of water for the remission of sins also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to go in depth right now with that, but we will make an episode for that later, at a later time. But notice what Peter said Cornelius needed to do. Be baptized of water for remission of sins. If he was just baptized in the Holy Spirit, why would he need to be baptized of water? Again, because that's what saves all men. And if Cornelius and his house were commanded to be baptized of water, wouldn't you want to be the same, saved the same way today? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, so that concludes our conclusion of Acts chapter 10 and the conversion of Cornelius. We just want to say thank you for tuning in to the podcast. If you like what you heard, we want you to uh, click the like button. We also would like you to subscribe and to share our podcast to other people. You can also listen on Spotify, uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts, right? right? Amazon, YouTube. And one of the things we want to say is this, continue to share the gospel, not just our content, mm-hmm. but just the gospel in general. And if you have a question or you want to recommend a topic, please email us at armorspiritually at gmail.com. So catch you later, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.